If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're kind of we're going to kind of do this a little bit different today. We're going to we're going to do a survey of chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. We're going to talk about it for a few minutes, and then we're going to do it. We're going to do what it suggests. All right. So, can you handle this? Awesome. Paul is sending a letter to a church he planted in Corinth. Corinth is the worst city in the world. How bad is Corinth? Well. Paul was in Corinth when he wrote to Romans. Just read chapter 1 in Romans to recognize what they were facing, right? So this is a, a, a church in a difficult place filled with every, every, every uh, a tribe and tongue and nation and people filled with every kind of religion, filled with every kind of idea. It was a place of extreme diversity, and Paul says, this is the perfect place to plant a church. And over the next five years, he has a series of correspondence with the church. Uh, right now in 1 Corinthians, Paul is, as he writes this letter or dictates it to a secretary who's writing it, he's probably looking at some sort of list or information of, that he got from the church in Corinth, outlining questions and problems and issues. If you look in verse 1 of chapter 12, and I think we have it on the screen for us, he says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. What are your spiritual gifts? Do you guys have an idea? You know what your spiritual gifts are? Uh, generally, when I talk to people about spiritual gifts, the first thing they tell me is that thing that they're already naturally good at, right? Right? Uh, sometimes that happens in our church. Like when I talk about spiritual gifts, like, oh man, my spiritual gift is Excel spreadsheets. Uh, that's not my gift. <laughs> my spiritual gift is public speaking. But I want you to know, like when Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, when he says spiritual gifts, he actually means things given to people from God. It wasn't just something that they, they were good at. They recognized this was something special special that came to them. And they may even recognize this is, I, this is something I know I'm not good at, but God has given me this gift. Some of the spiritual gifts he mentions are wise advice or special knowledge, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, and speaking in unknown languages. And that's the one, the church in Corinth, they kind of had a ranking system of these gifts. Right, like, okay, my, my gift is piano playing. That's kind of near the bottom. I don't know where Fred is. Sorry. <laughs> my spiritual gift is speaking in tongues. And he's not just talking about before you have your first cup of coffee, right? Like, <laughs> speaking in tongues. <laughs> Amen, yeah. Um, Speaking in tongues was the one that everyone in the church at Corinth wanted, right? It was the one prized and valued above any other, which is really curious because like, man, how do we apply that today and what's that look like? But, but they had a whole ranking order and if you could speak in tongues, you were the holy of holies, right? You were the one everybody looked at. And Paul recognizes immediately this is a problem. In chapter 12, he goes on and talks more about these gifts. He says there, he, he does this whole different same thing that happens. Uh, uh, he, he says different and the same about six times in a row. He says there's different gifts, but there's the same spirit. These gifts work in different ways, but they come from the same God. It's like you all have different parts, but you are part of the same 
body. He looks at the church of Corinth and all of their diversity and says, some of you are Jews and some of you are Gentiles. Some of you are slave and some of you are free. Some of you are different colors from each other. Some of you come from different places. Some of you may even speak different languages. But he says in chapter 12, verse 27, and this is so important. Look what he says. In a church filled with diversity, he says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. He says, you may be different as, you know, A to Z. Like you may be as different as, as anything you could imagine, but you together are part of the same body. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I don't want to scrub over this either because this is such an important message. It's a flag the church needs to be waving still. Think about that. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Can you think of a stronger statement of value or identity or worth or purpose than this? And he goes on to say that one part of this body can't tell another part of this body that somehow it's unnecessary or unvaluable. Each of you in your differences, in your diversity, contributes to the body. You have something to offer. Paul says it, and more churches need to say it. The body of Christ, the church, is where you belong. Do you believe that? The church is the original place of belonging. And what's crazy is our culture and our world thinks the exact opposite. Right? But Paul says, the church is the body of Christ, and this is a place of belonging. Even in your differences, even with your different gifts, this is a place for you to belong. So that's a little bit of chapter 12. Let's fast forward to chapter 14. In chapter 14, Paul has been talking about these gifts. In chapter 14, it's all about the application of these gifts when the people meet together, right? So some of you have these different gifts, but what you need to remember is like this, the church in Corinth didn't have professional ministers, they didn't have professional speakers or, or worship leaders. It was just a group of people that came together. And Paul said, look, I want to really encourage ownership in this. Even though that you are ordinary people, whatever the gift you have, and he, lists, he even lists more gifts, singing, teaching, special revelation, speaking in tongues, interpreting what's being said, Prophecy, miracles, healings, leadership. It's, it's not an exhaustive list. He said, whatever spirit God has given you, he, gives, he says, here's how I want you to use it in the church when you meet together. First, he says, let's evaluate it. You guys heard that phrase, test every spirit. He said, yeah, let's test it. Like the, No one can just come in and say, well, you know, the Spirit of God told me it's okay to cheat on my wife. Okay, well, let's test that spirit, right? Like in the body, even with the spirits being applied, there's accountability that comes in the body. You see how that works? So I, I want you to recognize your spirit. I want you to recognize its value, but you also need to know that you're going to be held accountable to that spirit. So evaluate it. And then Paul in chapter 14, he says, create order. 
He says, you all don't just get to speak at one time, right? It's not about jostling for position to get your, your spirit-filled gift up in front of somebody else's and all of that. He said, no, 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 this is when you meet together, it is to be a place of peace. And he outlines who gets to speak when. He even says in uh, chapter 14, verse 33, he says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. But finally, above all, he says, okay, each of you have gifts. They're all different gifts. They're all valuable. Here's the application of those gifts. But the one thing you need to remember when you apply the spirit that God has given you, he, he really goes back to one thing, and he says it again and again and again. Look what he says in chapter 12, verse, yeah, here it is, perfect. He says this, he said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, what are those three words? He said, these spiritual gifts are so that the whole church will be, what's the word? He says, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And he even goes on to say, he says, if the spirit you possess does not somehow strengthen the church, keep it to yourself. Right? If it's not benefiting the whole church, he even talks about this whole speaking in tongues, which was their most important. He said, if you're speaking in tongues, man, that's awesome. That's an amazing spiritual gift. But if nobody is there to interpret it, don't do it. Right? We're not here to create confusion. We are here to strengthen the whole church. Look how he summarizes it in verse 26. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But... Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Okay, you guys got it? You see how these gifts work together? Now let's go back to chapter 13. So I started in 12. We talked about gifts and how important they are. Each one's valuable. In chapter 14, we talk about how do we apply these gifts. But right in the middle is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys know this chapter? You, you, you know this chapter, it's the love chapter of the Bible, right? Look what it says. Let's read some together, and then we'll talk more about it. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. Paul, all through Corinthians, like he gets into this like teaching time and then all of a sudden he just steps out and he goes to this like almost poetic place. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. What's he talking about? Speaking in tongues, that thing they lifted up high above everything else. He says, if I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, sure, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Because love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Fast forward to the end of that chapter, and he says, three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And he says, let love be your highest goal. Now, this is one of those times where context is really, really, really super important because I've done a ton of weddings in my life. And in all of those weddings, I don't think I've ever not somehow quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? It's the love chapter. It's the wedding chapel chapter. It's the relationship chapter of the Bible, except it's not. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the church. He isn't applying this to some wedding relationship, although it does. He says, when you meet together as a church, sure, maybe you've got all kinds of gifts, and they're great. They're all valuable. But he says, when you meet together as a church, let love be your highest goal. This is a crazy important idea. Remember what I told you, Corinth was filled with, filled with religions, right? Corinth was filled with every religion of the world. It was filled with holy places and idols and temples. You could go and apply your religion anywhere, anywhere in any way you wanted. But what would separate the church of Christ, right? What would separate it from everything else? Jesus says it himself. He says, they will know you are Christians by our love. He says, let love be your highest goal. And so with that comes an important question. The question is, why are you here today? When you got in your car to drive to church this morning, praise God, you're awesome, you're here, you get bonus stars. But when you were driving here, did you ask yourself, what's really my goal? What's the goal of this space? What's the goal when we meet together? Was your goal to fill or accomplish some sort of religious duty? Well, I got to check church off my list this week. Or was it just part of your tradition? Maybe your mom is watching, right? Mostly when I talk to people about church or looking for a church or searching for a church, you know what they all say? They all say the same thing. I just want a place where I'm fed. I just want a place where I'm filled. And, 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 and I don't deny that. I, I, I Don't hear me wrong. Like, like, I think that's important. But it begs the question, like, did you come just as a recipient? 
Because I don't know about your definition of love, but love is never self-serving, right? Did you come as a recipient or did you come as a participant filled with some intention to use what you have been given, to use what love you possess in order to strengthen the body of Christ? And Paul says this is, honestly, Paul says this is not the role of the preacher or the worship team to some sort of create somebody in love, but the role of every member. Do you see that? Paul seems to think when you come to church, the highest goal you can have is to bring the gift of love and to share it. And so how do you test a church? What's the real test of church? Like, is it, is it the, they, they say in the church world that like most people make a decision about a church in the first 15 minutes. Did you know that? That's before the teacher ever comes up. That's before the worship team ever sings a song. So what's the test of a real church? What's a test of the body of Christ? Well, I'm going to quote to you here, like here's the test, and it comes from one of the world's most famous prophets, a man named Bob Marley. He says, is this love, is this love, is this love, is this love that I'm feeling? Sorry, I've been listening to reggae a lot lately. I don't know why. <laughs> but when you walk through the doors of the church, this is the question. Right? Is this love, is this love, is this love that I'm feeling? So, this is what Paul gets at in chapters 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. You know it, right? Spiritual gifts, their application, but really the one, the highest goal of everyone who comes and meets together is love. So let's do that. Let's together do some body building, okay? Here's what I'm going to suggest. In just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to dismiss you to a time of communion, and I am going to set an open mic right up here in the front. We've actually done this before. And I'm going to invite any of you who are the body of Christ to come and share. What word of compassion, what word of encouragement or thanks or strength or blessing or love has God placed on your heart this week? What word has God placed on your heart to build up the body of Christ? I'm going to put this on you. That your role is to build up the body. It's not just my role or Kim's role, but it's your role to build up the body of Christ. So what spirit of encouragement do you have? What spirit of love? Now, Paul also says, I would rather have five words that people understand than 10,000 words that nobody understands. So it's okay to be brief, right? You don't have to limit it to five words, but 
But to be brief, we're going to be considerate of each other. But let's just create a spirit-filled place where the body builds up the body. And remember, what's the one purpose in all of it? It's to strengthen the body. Here's what I know. Whatever spirit you possess is needed. Whatever spirit God has poured into you this week is valuable and good. And it's not just for you but it's for the body of Christ. All right, so everybody know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna dismiss you to a time of communion. In that space, I'm just gonna set a mic, an open mic time for you to share, to encourage, to bless, to strengthen. All right, do you think you can do this? Awesome, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its power and richness. I thank you for the challenge Paul gives of the church. Like, man, he sees this this is, uh, as such an important thing that each of us are a part of. And God, how can, how can we in, encourage that and infirm that, uh, affirm that spirit of ownership and life? Father God, is what exists here is, is, is our highest goal, love. How are we known, Father God? Father God, I, I pray that, that you would well up and encourage every spirit that exists here. I pray that, that your spirit would beat in chest like a drum. And God, I pray that every single person would recognize the, the incredible value and benefit of the spirit that they possess, that that spirit comes from you for the benefit of the church. Father God, that kind of idea can change things. That kind of church, that kind of life can change cities and cultures. And so, Father God, let us live deeply into your word. Even as we take these elements of communion to remember the sacrifice of your son Jesus for the church, to draw the church to God again. God, let us take this chance. Let your word and spirit speak through us. We love you, Father. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says...